Bickley and Marotta mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. There are pressure points all over the NBA postseason. We've seen and lived them all. The games become incredibly physical. Every possession has severe consequences. Losing coaches blame officiating, and if that doesn't work, they goon up the game, and fan bases nervously scour the internet for referee assignments. There's nothing like it. And the upcoming series against the Clippers has got some real interesting talking points, like who is Kawhi Leonard guarding? Will Paul George return at some point during the series, and how will Kevin Durant react to squaring off against Russell Westbrook for the first time ever in the postseason? Now, none of those issues scare me off my sons in five prediction, but there will be an adjustment this postseason that is unique to the Phoenix Suns, and that will be the first loss suffered by the core four, because they're 8-0 with Kevin Durant in the lineup, and the first time he loses, it will be something different. It will will be a news story. It will be a topic. And here's a newsflash. It's going to happen at some point. Let's just hope that day isn't Sunday because we also know there's one thing you don't want to do in the playoffs and that's lose game one at home. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. They've got two great locations. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Oh, you hit on something that will certainly start once again on Sunday morning, Bick. And that is people scouring the internet, going to their going to their websites to find out who's Referee officiating the Suns games. Uh, I know the name that comes into play right away. Yeah. Scott Forster! Scott Forster! Uh, the Phoenix Suns this year were uh, officiated by Scott Foster three times. As long as Jerome Boger doesn't show up on good. <laughs> He retired. No, that's right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So uh, the they, Suns, three times? The Suns are two and one in Scott Foster games this year. Wow. Now, I know the playoffs are a different animal. No. <laughs> since, I got the, since I got the numbers uh-huh. up here, let's talk okay. about the uh, Yeah, since you got the numbers, the okay. officials that uh, they should be really hoping don't show up. Uh, they're 0 and 4 in Brent Barnicky games. Barnicky? <laughs> <laughs> He still owes me money. He still owes me money. (laughs) Sounds like a SpongeBob name. (laughs) Who lives in a pineapple barnacle. Where's your drill, Sergeant Son? Blown up, sir! (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I I love to quote Stripes just as much as Caddyshack. Okay, so uh, let's go on. I I just don't know Stripes as well enough. Who who else? Mark Davis, another, another guy that brings... A lot of anxiety to Suns fans. They're two and five in Mark Davis games. They're one and three in Bill Kennedy games this year. Oh, there you go. Okay, those are the names to avoid. Let me add to your anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. I'll see you at the meeting, Suns right. fans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So this will be a thing, though, because if they lose a game, it's you know there are going to be questions about it. Uh, how do you think the guys are going to react? It's going to become a talking point because they haven't lost. It's exactly like an NCAA, not exactly, it's similar to an NCAA team that goes into a, 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 a March Madness unbeaten. Now, it's much different because one loss and you're done in March Madness. It's yes, not, these are yes. series. But but to me, it's still something that it, it probably doesn't matter to the basketball team, but it's they will have to deal with questions about it. Yeah. They never had to wear an L with KD. Which is weird. It is. And, and when you draw that parallel... 
You always talk about it, you know, an undefeated team in the NFL, as rare as that is, going into the playoffs. Do they need to lose a game? Do they need to taste their own blood? You brought up the college basketball uh, example. It's going to happen at some point in the playoffs. The Suns are going to experience a loss with Kevin Durant on the floor. We don't know how they would react to that. It's another thing you just don't know. Well, he, and here's the thing. This is what I think makes it even trickier, and this is why game one, and uh, I'm sorry if this is cliche because it is cliche. It, you all, you never want to lose game one. But in the case of the Suns and the Clippers and all of what we're talking about right now, there's added importance in my mind because it, here, here's the bad the thing. If Ty Lue is really this genius that people purport him to be, and he very well probably is because I've heard enough people say it. He's had he's got a lot of time to cook up a defense here. A lot mm-hmm. of time. And so if the Suns lose a game early, you're faced with a question. Do I need to adjust? Do I need to do something different? And we know, we know this got Monty Williams down a rabbit hole last year in the Mavericks series. And so that, that's where it's going to test your conviction in this limited eight-game sample. If you lose game one or game two because Ty Lewis junked up the game with some concoction of a defense that starts causing um, extreme frustration for the Suns, then there's heavy questions. Okay, what do we do now? How, do we do we do we change our point of attack? Do we shuffle up our rotation? It, it's those are the kind of things you don't want to deal with early on. It, it's my yes. it's my experience, and maybe the maybe there's um, recent examples to the contrary. To me, the best way to win an NBA championship is to make easy work of your first round opponent, or at least get one series. In the rearview mirror, very fast and quickly. If you, it's hard to go through grinder after grinder after grinder, then yeah. into the NBA Finals. Go, I mean, just use the Suns' last two years as examples. The Lakers series in 2021 was a six-game series, but they won three straight to to, to close that out. Yep. And once they asserted themselves, that series was over. Yes, that led to a sweep. In the second round against Denver, mm-hmm. and then you had another grinder of a of a six game against uh, against the Clippers. Yeah, which was a, which was a very uh, and that that was a that was a series uh, that was played at a very high altitude, metaphorically speaking. Yes. That was a very intense, high level of basketball series. Chris Paul's never been better. DeAndre Ayton has never been better than yeah. he was in that series against the Clippers. And they won that game in L.A. That was a real rock fight. Like, nobody could score a basket. That's I think right. The game was in the That's 80s. That's right. That's right. But then last year, I mean, that first series against New Orleans, you look at it on paper, it was a six-game win. That was a very tough series for the Suns and kind of set a tone for that whole Dallas series. And then you move on to that Dallas series, and something that you talked about is the pressure on head coaches to make adjustments and – you know, it, it's that fine line of how much you want to do. And, and, and Monty Williams got a lot of heat last year because when things started to go south against Dallas, he made changes to the rotation. And a lot of people did not agree with those changes and they didn't work out no. well for the Suns. No. But that just, and I'm not, I, I'm not attacking Monty when I say this. It's just more of a way to point out the pressure that's on these head coaches. And sometimes when you make adjustments, they will go well. We saw Jason Kidd make adjustments last year. They worked out wonderfully for the Mavericks mm-hmm. in that series. On the flip side of it, you had Monty Williams, but that pressure is always there because yeah. every game, and I mention this every postseason now, every game's a snowflake. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. Um, I, I do believe there is pressure on Monty Williams. I do think that while he spends most of his time in Phoenix uh, operating on a pedestal, 
uh, among Suns fans, there's there are real mixed feelings as to how good of an in-game coach he is. He's very good at culture. He's I think he's terrific at drawing up plays, uh, inbounds plays, that uh-huh. kind of thing. There's a handful of coaches who are really good at that. I think Bonnie's really good at that. The in-game stuff, there are people who think he's just meh. And and so it, it he's got to make sure that he doesn't get checkmated again, like what happened against Dallas. Um, but I also think he's got the kind of veteran team with the addition of KD where it, it, this is going to be a talent-driven journey is what this is going to be. I don't think there's a ton of adjustments that need to be made. I think there's a ton of open shots that need to be made. Yeah, that's better. If you're going to make something in a series, make shots. Make shots. Not adjustments. Make open shots. Make shots. You don't need to make adjustments. There you go. There you go. Um, I I am really, I'm really, really, really thinking this is going to be a breakout postseason for Josh Okoge. I don't know why I think that. I just think he's got some some real, he's got some real good qualities that translate to the postseason, and he seems to me to be fearless. He's fearless, and the opportunities presented to him, there's not really any pressure on Josh Okoge. No. If he just no. goes out and does what he does on the defensive side from the energy standpoint, anything he gives you offensively is just a bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, so I'm curious if, uh, I'm curious who on the Suns is going to draw Kawhi. Will it be a Josh Okoge followed by Tory Craig? Bang, bang, and, and try to, Kawhi doesn't tire down, and, and I think this, the one thing about this series that scares me, uh, obviously the potential return of Paul George scares me, mm-hmm. but I think people have kind of forgotten how great Kawhi Leonard can be when he's healthy and playing every night. And for the past couple of months, that's kind of what he's morphed back into. Mm-hmm. For the first time since he suffered that injury, he's kind of back to being an every night guy. And and it, the numbers are really really good. Well, he's, he's feeling like Kawhi again. <laughs> <laughs> So it took a while. Yeah, it did. But again, it, it's that's that's the beauty. Yeah. They've they've got one of those guys. We got two of them. Join Burns and Gambo at the Top Golf Swing Suite at Gila River Resorts and Casinos this Friday from two to six p.m. They'll be giving away Suns playoff T-shirts, water bottles, and backpacks. Plus, you can meet Suns legend Tom Chambers from five to six p.m. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details. One of those details, you must be 21 years or over to attend the event. Uh, coming up at this point, many Cardinal fans might be uh, channeling their inner Princess Leia. Help me, QB1. You're my only hope. We'll explain next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, I, I did not. I'm not a Twitter or wherever he posted that, but uh, obviously I talked to Kyler a lot, and um, you know he's he's a he's a, he's got competitive juice, so he he wants to be um, doing everything that he can to get out there when he can to help the team win. So uh, please, where that's at, uh, I think I had a told I told him the other day. You know, as good as you feel, there's going to be a little bit of a dip. You got to make sure you don't overdo it too. So, uh, because that's a part to being smart when you rehab from any injury, you want to go, go, go. Sometimes you got to push the pause button a little bit. But uh, excited where he's at and where he's going. Say it again. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Cardinals, yesterday on uh, Kyler Murray and his rehab and uh, didn't see the video of Kyler Murray doing squats, 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 squats. <laughs> What's that from? 
What was that? That was on Instagram, right? Uh, Kyler Murray's video. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was impressive because it, it wasn't just a bar. There was there were a, there were a lot of plates on that bar. Yes, and you brought this up and kind of like, hey, come in, come on in and save the day now, Kyler. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure to put on him coming back from an injury and what may be an, a, a, a talent depleted roster coming back. But I do think that there's some Cardinal fans that that think that way that. If this is going to be a tough year and somehow, some way, Kyler Murray's ready to play football in September or close to September, that maybe he's got the ability to salvage something out of all of this. Yeah, yeah. Which, which would it, be a huge Yes, plug. yes. Uh, now, with, what that would entail is Kyler Murray shattering the perception that he doesn't really like to play football because it, it hurts. And, and rehab hurts. And so Kyler busting it to get back is, I, I think, for some people, they find that surprising. There there was this weird narrative that that came down a, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago, that, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't expect Kyler that midway through the season. He's not going to be in any hurry to get back. I, 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 and I'm, you, you know, I was immediately struck by the oddness of that report because if you're a pro athlete and you're competitive, that's not the way athletes think. No. And and so if that's the way people think Kyler Murray thinks, then that either we've got an issue or he's going to surprise some people. Because I do think Kyler Murray, I, I mean, Kyler Murray, yes, is, is more sensitive than most to getting hit on a football field. But I do think that he's very competitive. And and you saw you saw how crestfallen he was when he got hurt. He wasn't like, oh, thank goodness I get a break from this game. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so there's a lot of people who who have made up their mind on Kyler Murray, and I think that's a dumb thing to do because I think this kid has been kind of in a state of suspended adolescence, and I and I don't necessarily blame him for that. I think that every every person matures at a different rate. Um, some people don't don't get out of that fog for a while, and I think he's lived a very sheltered existence, and I and 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 I think that's been by design, and and I think I think there's a real good chance he's going to blossom and bust out into a quarterback that. We not only like but love, and and if if he does that this year, then it, it he could save all of us from all of this stuff, all of the rebuild and the dysfunction and this and that. So that's where I'm putting my hopes. Now we talked about Zion Williamson this morning. They've got a basketball team that might compete for a title if he comes back. He can't bring himself to go and let it rip. Right. Um, from an anecdotal level, uh, Sarah, you've talked about when you uh, injured your knee, how hard mm-hmm. it was to get back competitive dancing, right? The competitive cheer. Yes. Okay. Cheerleading. Yeah. I wasn't a dancer. Come on. But yes. No, it's <laughs> Sorry. My, no. my bad. I know, I know. It is. It's really hard to trust yourself, especially if you're doing the movement that got you injured in the first place. Yeah. That's all you think about. Yeah. Yeah. And so I so I think that, and I think that's universal. That isn't just that isn't just reserved for athletes or weekend warriors. I think yeah. that's a that's a real universal thing. But I, I I would find it hard to believe that let's say this rehab process goes swimmingly, and by September, Kyler Murray is physically able to go. I I would have a hard time hearing Kyler Murray say, you know what, I'm fine, but I'm. Just, I'm not just not Kyler right I'm now. I'm just not Kyler I'm right. Just Kyler right now. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't see that either. I'm sorry so. to keep piling on Zion. It's just such a puzzling thing to say. Um, now Zach Ertz was one of the Did players. Zion joined the Luca Patrick Beverly Club. Is he? Is he in the? No. <laughs> no. Is he in the Anthony Davis Luca Club? I don't even know if Anthony Davis is in that club. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Really? I, you love I, making I, fun of Anthony I, oh, Davis. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard you drip with disdain oh, for Anthony uh, Davis. How many times did he grimace last night? I When I watch the Lakers play, I kind of keep an unofficial count. Okay. But he got hit in the side, and he was grimacing. Oh. And yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm. Uh, Zach Ertz was one of the Cardinals that spoke yesterday, and he said, look, I'm not shocked what Kyler was doing 13 weeks after surgery. Yeah, I mean, everyone is, everyone's program is different. Some people have people squatting early. Some people don't. Um, Kyler looks good. He looks like he's in great spirits. Um, I don't know. I'm not a strength coach. I can't say how the video looked. Um, but I know everyone loves seeing it, that he is attacking this thing, and I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Yeah, so uh, those are all good signs for Kyler Mo- uh, Kyler Murray moving forward. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz also rehabbing from an injury, and he talked about how he and Kyler are kind of leaning on each other to to help them through the tough times through the rehab. Yeah, every knee injury is different. Um, obviously, there are certain things. The mental side is very similar. The physical side is different. Um, and so for us, just keeping each other going. Um, obviously, I'm about five, six weeks ahead of him based on time of surgery. Um, and so he he's able to, I'm able to help him more so than he's probably able to help me based on the recovery, the physical recovery. Um, um, but we, we, we're also dealing with different people, dealing with different surgeons. So everyone's got different programs. No two rehabs are the same. No two people are the same. No two teams are the same. And so for us, it's more the mental side that we're able to help each other with more than the physical. And on Zach Ertz uh, individually, when he hopes to uh, be back? Yeah, week one is obviously the goal. That's about 10 months, almost post-injury, obviously. Um Unfortunately, rehabs aren't linear progression, so you can't make bold statements that, hey, I'm going to be 100%, I'm going to be my old self week one, um, but I'm doing everything I can to put the best version of myself on the field each and every day, and hopefully that ends up with me being ready to go week one. Now, did somebody ask Zach Ertz about jinxing John Rom? I don't think that came up. Oh, I don't see Man, come on. How can you not ask a, a, a golf question like that if you're not t- <laughs> After I'm the joking. Masters. Right, I won the damn Masters. Yeah, right? Here's the other thing. DeAndre Hopkins. People DeAndre really Hopkins, make me mad. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> D-Hop is still in Houston, right? Is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a photo on Instagram yeah. or so, so is this to assume that D-Hop is just not showing up? I know there was some speculation on, on what he was going to do. I think, you know... This is voluntary. What's going on now? That the, the strength of training sessions are, are voluntary. We'll see what happens. I don't know if there's going to be any kind of quick resolution to this this issue with, mm-hmm. with D Hop because Monty Fort still correctly so is holding out for the most that he can get. Why get rid of a yeah. of, of, of a player like that? Right. When you have options on right. how you can tweak your own books. Yeah. When it becomes mandatory, that's when it, I think it becomes a story, a bigger story. But this, yeah, is, okay. still, this okay. is still voluntary. Okay, you're right, but it's a new coach. It's a new coach. It's a new regime. You should have everybody here. The, now, I know D-Hop didn't negotiate, um, or I'm sorry, he didn't have an agent for his contract with the Cardinals. He does know he's not a free agent, right? I mean, he is aware of that? Yes, okay. and he has brought in an agent right. now to, to now, work. Now, being facetious, work because, yeah. because he's kind of acting like he is. 
So's every other player around the league that wants him to play for their team. Right. <laughs> Come join us. Well, it's not up to me. <laughs> and, and, and Apparently not that easy. This is the wacky though. world of the NFL. We're sitting here talking about a team maybe giving five, six draft picks for somebody unproven like Anthony Richardson, but you can only get a fifth rounder for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, he's 30. It's so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, Make it make sense, Vinny. I can't. I wish I could. Coming up next, we will have our weekly visit with the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, the Hall of Famer, Al McCoy. That's next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suzanne, CP3 for three. Al, about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al, about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Yes, every Wednesday we get to talk to the Hall of Famer, the legendary voice of the Suns in his 51st year behind the microphone. Getting ready for the postseason. Al McCoy joins us right now on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Al, good morning. How are you today? Well, good morning. I'm uh, I'm great. Uh, just looking forward to the start of things on Sunday. Yeah, and let's go back to last Sunday before we get started and talk about the playoffs. Uh, you know, there was the ceremony, the, the, the tribute to you and your career where Jerry Colangelo and Matt Ishbia were there. I loved your speech. I loved uh, your walk down memory lane. Now you reflect on that moment. How do you think it all went for you, Al? Well, obviously, it was uh, something I'll never forget. Uh, It was more uh, than I expected. It was great to have an opportunity to thank the fans for their great support uh, through the 51 years. And, of course, to have uh, Jerry Colangelo there. He's the He's the individual that started it for me. He hired me 51 years ago. So uh, it was certainly a, a very unforgettable uh, a time in my life to receive that recognition. It was a, it was a great day. I really like what Matt Ishbia did, and he said basically he came out and said, look, I've been here a minute. I'm going to give it to the legend. I'm going to let Jerry handle this. And uh, I don't know what you feel about this, but I, I heard what you said about Jerry. It, it warms me that, that Jerry's grace and, and who he is is back in the franchise and that, and that he really kind of feels reconnected with what, what was his franchise. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're absolutely right, Vic, because uh, those of us that know Jerry know that basketball is still his game. And the Suns are still high on the list of uh, things that he accomplished in his career. And uh, so that was what was so great to have him there on, on Sunday. No question That's about cool. it. Basketball is and the Suns are still high on the list uh, for Jerry. And as you mentioned, I think he will be probably a, maybe a little bit more involved now with the new ownership. That yeah, would be very cool in the in the eyes of Suns fans talking to Al McCoy, Al about the Suns every Wednesday. Uh, and before we move on and talk playoffs, I, I, I do want to go back, if we could, to the beginning there. You, you talked about Jerry Colangelo being the individual and you mentioned on Sunday that made your dream of becoming an NBA broadcaster come true, and here we are 51 years later. What do you remember, Al, about those early discussions or the early courting process from Jerry to you to get you to be a part of the Suns? Well, it was interesting because uh, uh, I had met Jerry and I had met their first coach, Johnny Kerr, and uh, they kind of assumed that I might be the the individual that would be the start of things as far as being the broadcaster for the Suns. Mm -hmm. 
But, uh, you know, things weren't going quite so well uh, that early year when the Suns arrived on the scene. By that, I mean season tickets uh, weren't selling. Uh, People weren't too excited about NBA in the desert. So uh, we didn't get together right away. And then uh, over the first year or two, we had a lot of different conversations about how the broadcasts uh, could be handled, radio and television at that time with a professional sports team. And uh, eventually, uh, Jerry and I agreed. And I went to work for the Suns, and, and obviously, and, and a lot of people, of course, aren't aware of this, that Jerry and I handled uh, the radio and television broadcast for years. By that, I mean uh, we packaged it, we sold it, I produced it, I did the games, and uh, it was uh, a unique way, and that was uh, kind of a change uh, the way that professional sports teams had handled uh, their broadcast coverage. But it was a great start. That's good stuff. All right, so I'm curious your thoughts on this matchup with the Clippers. Uh, Do they make you anxious? How how tough do you think this series is going to be for the Suns? Well, you know, guys, I have to tell you this this morning. The thing that uh, concerns me a little bit is we just don't know how good the Suns are. Because uh, at this point in time, with the addition of Kevin Durant, they really haven't been challenged in a game. So we really don't know how good they are. And I'm anxious to see how good they're going to be. That's number one. And number two, and you hate to even think along these lines, we do know that uh, for some strange reason, uh, the officials call games differently in the playoffs. Now we know The Suns have not been a physical team. They don't enjoy physical play. Hopefully they've overcome that. And they're not going to be concerned about officials. They're just going to go out and play. But how the game is called is going to be extremely important. In this series uh, with the Clippers, as you know, the Clippers have two big men. And what do they want to do? They want to knock you down and step on you and kick you. And if they get away with it, it's going to change the complexion of the game. But... Uh, My statement originally was we just don't know how good the Suns are because they really haven't been challenged. I I think they're good, but I think we'll find out in this opening series pretty quickly. But then you go back to last year, Al, when we we knew how good the Suns were. We thought we knew how good the Suns were after a 64-win regular season. And they just look like a different team in the playoffs. So maybe there's some silver lining to take out of this uncertainty or mystery about this year's bunch. Well, we hope so. And uh, again, uh, I think uh, the Suns have to realize that uh, it's playoff time. You're not going to get calls. Uh, You're not going to be able to uh, uh, complain to the officials. You've just got to come out and and play aggressive and play physical. And uh, that's that's, uh, one of the questions that the Suns are going to have to answer. And as I said, I think this series against this Clipper team is going to be very, very deciding. Again, I go back to my original statement. We just really don't know how good this Suns team is because they haven't really been challenged since KD has been in uniform for the Suns. Now, I see that a a beer has been brewed in your honor, Al. Shazam IPA, Phoenix Brewing Company, I believe, is brewing that. 51 cases of it has been brewed to to commemorate your 51 years behind the mic. Do you have any hand in that? Do you get to pick what what kind of beer they were going to brew? Hey, I don't know anything about it at all. <laughs> well, now you do. Well, I, well then maybe thanks there should for, be some royalties involved for you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, thanks for letting me know. 
I'm sure it won't keep me awake tonight. <laughs> Al, you're the best. Yes, we, you we are. look forward to being able to talk about the first couple of games of this series next Wednesday when we uh, visit. Well, it's going to be uh, extra special, no question about it. We're going to see the Suns' real team out on the floor Sunday at 5, and we'll be there to tell you all about it. Yep, and we look forward to it, Al. Thank so, you, Al. Thanks so much, as always. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Al McCoy, the legendary voice of the Suns, Al about the Suns every Wednesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, a couple of teams punched their tickets into the main playoff bracket last night. A couple of play-ins tonight. We'll take a broad look at the NBA playoff picture. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. If you were hoping that this NBA postseason would be the second straight without any participation from LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, sorry, they're in. They're the seventh seed. They will start their uh, their playoff journey on Sunday against the Memphis Grizzlies in a two seed. And watching the play-in game that they won last night against Minnesota, Bick, your words were ringing through my head for a portion of it. Okay. Because I was completely underwhelmed uh, by pretty much the entire Lakers team. Um, you know, LeBron put up his points. AD put up his points. They struggled for very, very to beat a very shorthanded Minnesota team last night. Mm. But your words of Memphis would absolutely take apart the Lakers in a playoff series. I couldn't get those out of my mind. And if if last night was an indication mm-hmm. on how the Lakers are going to play this yeah. postseason again, every game is different. I get yeah. it. But I I think the Grizzlies have a great chance to to breathe uh, through so that I. series. I, I I think I think the Pistons, the old, old bad boy Pistons, uh, the the Grizzlies are not them, but they're not that far off. They're kind of uh, that kind of badass team. Um, as much that, as you can be, in as much as you can, exactly, well put. And so I, I just think they match up well, and I think I think John Moran is going to be a breakout star this playoffs. I think he is going to put up crazy numbers this postseason. Yeah, and, and there's still people beating the drum. Hey, the Lakers, they're a, they're they're a finals contender. I don't see it. I, I haven't seen it all year. Maybe those people are right. Maybe I'll have egg on my face, but. This is a tough series, but just think of it this way. Had Minnesota found a way to win that game last night and mm-hmm. claim the seven seed, there was a possibility that the Lakers would have been an eight going up against the one seed Denver, which I also think would have been a fascinating first-round matchup. Mm-hmm. Denver, for a number of reasons, uh, as being discounted as a real contender, uh, partly because of their recent playoff experience and history, but... That would be. I think that would be a tough first round matchup for Denver. I, I think maybe even more so than for for Memphis. Memphis has got that young, brash quality that you're talking That's, about. Yes, they do. But I think that they are probably going in with the right mindset. And, and they really, really were dangerous and lethal early in the season. They lost their way. John Morant lost his way. They lost a couple of performers. I, I think they're a dangerous team. I don't think they're going to win the West, uh, but I do think they're going to take out the Lakers. 
So, you know, it, it's that to me, that, that's going to be an interesting thing. I think the, the Warriors Kings is going to be fascinating because just you're talking about two of the best home court advantages in basketball going up against one another. Yeah. And for as good as the home court advantage is in San Francisco at Chase Center for the Warriors, I don't think it's going to come close to measuring up the intensity and the energy at Golden One Center in Sacramento. That is a good, faithful fan base that oh, has not had a lot to cheer no. about. And finally this year, not only they didn't eke their way into the playoffs, they didn't get in through the play-in game. They're the three seed, mm-hmm. and they've been consistently good all season long. They've got this whole light the beam campaign now in yeah. Sacramento that and the whole city, beam. yeah, I saw the whole it's city really is cool. getting behind. Yeah, it's really cool. They're I, engaged. Oh yeah, they're engaged. That is for for a team. And here's another layer to that. Golden State has been awful on the road this year. They're going into the playoffs with 11 wins, 11 and 30 on the road this year. Mm-hmm. And they're going into what could be a buzzsaw from an intensity and energy standpoint. I think that's a fascinating aspect of that of that series. For the first time, I believe, in history, all four California teams made the playoffs. Wow. And for the first time in forever, no team from Texas has made the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a stat for you, huh? Yeah, because let, let's face it. If from a Sun standpoint, all three of the Texas franchises have caused a lot of grief in Suns history. You can say that again. At different Mario Ellie and the Houston Rockets in the 90s, yep. the Spurs, and then more recently the Mavericks. Well said. Yep. And now you've got all four, four California franchise. This this whole Northern California thing is... Could you imagine if you're the Warriors, you would, you'd have to go through Northern California, then maybe the Lakers... Well, the Lakers aren't going to win, so that get, that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, this is... A, th- that to me is... That's, that's why I picked that series to be the one to go seven games, because I just think winning a game on the road in that series is going to be a very tall order for either of those teams. Yeah. Over in the East, Atlanta punched its ticket to the seventh seed. They've got a series now waiting with the Boston Celtics. That's going to be tough. But I'll tell you what. Atlanta went in this stretch of basketball they've played for about the last two and a half months where they win, they lose, they win, they lose. The, the whole even-steven thing. You brought it up in yeah. hardware a couple weeks ago. Um, they've been very underwhelming. And then to go into a play-in game on the road after this whole Trey Young story broke, and they were talking about it openly Jared Greenberg on TNT said he asked Trey Young about it, and Trey Young, had, to his credit, had the right mindset. I was impressed with the way Atlanta played, but the Miami Heat should be ashamed they of themselves. Should. No, you're absolutely right. I, and I think, flat Jim, I think Jimmy Butler is. I mean, it's for, for that team to consider themselves what they consider themselves to, to now have to win um, or, or be out is, is pretty... It's pretty humbling for them. And they get a home game. That I mean, that's a good thing. But the difference in energy between L.A. and Miami last night, it was dead in the Heat Arena, which has uh, they already moved off from FTX. But it's got a new name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I already forget the company's name. Uh-huh. Some IT company. Uh, but when you come out flat in Miami, there I mean, that place is a morgue. And Atlanta dominated the first half. Clint Capella... How many offensive rebounds did they finish with? Twenty two. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. yeah. No, I agree with you. That was uh, that was not what I expected. I did not. I did not expect the Heat to look like that. And Chicago and Toronto, whoever team wins with that great game culture, tonight, it's it's it's. I'm so tired of hearing <laughs> no, about Heat are. culture uh-huh. and all the shots of Udonis Haslam yelling at his teammates on the sidelines. 
Was he in his rocking chair? No, he was in his uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. I don't know. He'd bother me. I guess I'm living in the wrong city then, huh? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, bad news for you. Uh, Yeah, so we got two more play-in games tonight. Chicago and Toronto in the Eastern Conference Mm -hmm. matchup. Loser goes home. And then uh, Oklahoma City and New Orleans. Yeah, and and Suns fans who don't know, there's only one West... Uh, Western Conference Series yet to be determined. That's going to be who the Nuggets happen to play. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the Pelicans, the Thunder, or the Timberwolves. That is correct. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma City comes out of that. But we'll see. To go back to a word that Tim Ring used frequently uh, last week on the show, that Oklahoma City team is plucky. Okay. <laughs> I have to say it in that tone, too. Plucky. I, and I wouldn't want to guard... Shea Gilgis Alexander have come up with a plan for him for in a seven game yeah, series. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's a handful. He is a handful. Yeah, he is. So this is uh, this is uh, very 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 exciting. That's that is exactly what I was thinking last night watching the games. Was okay. This is and we're off. Yeah, yeah. here we go. Here we go. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty. Right now, coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour. We'll dive into some Twitter on social studies. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.